Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, world changers. Great to see you guys. This is another night of scripture reading and fellowship and uh, yeah, just learning together. Uh, blessing, blessing God together. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Okay, so let's do this. This is First Kings chapter 10, and I have it side by side on YouTube right now with Second Chronicles chapter 9. Now, as, as you can see, just by the subtitles, yeah, the subtitle, The Queen of Sheba's Praise of Solomon, uh, you see how they coincide one with the other. Uh, first and Second Chronicles is more or, le more or less a repeat of First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. And so uh, First and Second Chronicles is typically viewed as a like a midrash. Now, I know that we had our brother uh, Onia on earlier, and he views it as um, kind of the opposite, that, that Chronicles actually came first or uh, has a greater place of authority. I have always understood that Chronicles was written as a midrash or like an explanation to First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. And the order of the books that we have in the Tanakh uh, seems to suggest that as well, seeing that First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings are included in the Ketavim, or excuse me, the Nevi'im, whereas First and Second Samuel is Ketavim. For those of you who are not familiar with this, typically speaking, the Nevi'im is over the Ketavim. The Nevi'im is simply um, a Hebrew word that means prophets. Ketavim is a Hebrew word that means scriptures or simply writings. And yes, many of the writings, uh, the Ketavim in the, in the Bible is exactly that, writings. Let's start. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Now let's put that right up against what it says here in Second Chronicles. Now when, the king, now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem. See how there's, it's added here. And what we have different is in First Kings, we have concerning the name of the Lord, whereas we don't see that in Second Chronicles. Uh, but she, in Second Chronicles, it says she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions, having very great retinue, camels, now, okay, so this is kind of like combining two verses into one because we see this is talking about that very same thing in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 2. She came to Jerusalem with very great retinue, with camels that bore spices, very much gold, precious stones. In Second Chronicles, it says she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions, having very great retinue. Uh, camels that bore spices, gold in abundance, and precious stones. So it's pretty much the same there. Um, back to 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 2. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. Second Chronicles says when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. Pretty much the same. Uh, 1 Kings... 10.3, so Solomon answered all her questions. There was, there was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain uh, it to her. Can you imagine uh, asking Solomon questions yourself, like having, a, having an audience uh, with Solomon and asking him basically any questions that you want? 
verse 2 of Second Chronicles verse uh, chapter 9. So Solomon answered all her questions, and there was nothing so difficult for Solomon that he could not explain it to her. Okay, pretty much the same again. First Kings 10, 4. Uh, and when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built, Second Chronicles, and when the queen of Sheba had seen the, the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, pretty much the same. Uh, verse Kings, the, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, you got to wonder, like, what did this look like, the seating of his servants? It must have been extravagant for this to be mentioned like this. The seating of his servants. The service of his waiters and their apparel. Again, this it must have been quite extravagant for this to be mentioned that it even it it, it impressed another a, a member of royalty from a different country. The service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. Wow. In other words, she basically fainted when she saw all this stuff. Amazing. Um, again, Second Chronicles chapter nine, verse four: the food on the food on his table, uh, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and their apparel. So you know that's not in First Kings worded like that, at least. And his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. First Kings chapter 10, verse 6. Then she said to the king, it was, it was a true report, which I have heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. Second Chronicles. Then she said to the king, it was a true report, which I have, which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. Again, pretty much the same. First Kings 10, 7, however, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes, and indeed the half was not told me. Your wisdom and your prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Second Chronicles, however, I did not believe the words, their words, until I came and saw with my own eyes, and indeed the half of the greatness of your wisdom uh, was not told me. You exceed the fame of which I heard. Now notice it doesn't specifically mention prosperity in this portion, like how it does over here in 1 Kings. So that's left out. Happy are your men. This is 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 8. Happy are your men, and happy are those, are these your servants, who stand continually before you, and hear your wisdom. Second Chronicles, happy are your men, and happy are these your servants, who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. First Kings chapter 10, blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Second Chronicles 9, 8, blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting on his throne, setting you on his throne to be king for the Lord your God. 
because your God loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore, he made you king over them to do justice and righteousness. Now, notice it is it is a bit different here um, because in first Kings it says, because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore he made you king. Whereas setting you on the throne of Israel, as opposed to Second Chronicles, it says, setting you on his throne to be king for the Lord your God. That's different. Because the Lord has loved Israel in First Kings forever, in Second Chronicles, because your God has loved Israel to establish them forever. Okay, so that's that's different as well. First Kings chapter 10, verse 10. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. Second Chronicles, and she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great abundance, and precious stones. Now, you know, and it's almost it, 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 we almost Comparing um, these numbers all the way through, all the way down the line in the past several days, it's almost it's almost um, unusual for them to line up. If you noticed, I'm not saying it is unusual, but I'm just it just kind of feels like, hey, here we got actually a confirmation of you know of the right number here, uh, as opposed to many other times when we see these numbers are numbers are different between Kings and Chronicles. First Kings chapter 10, last half of verse 10. There never again came such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Second Chronicles 9, last half of verse 9. There never were any spices such as those the queen of Sheba gave to, to King Solomon. Okay, so let me just let me just pause here for a second. I think it's I think it's um, pertinent to to uh to mention some of the other historical things about Queen, the Queen of Sheba. So the Queen of Sheba is actually the Queen of Ethiopia. And um, the according to the Ethiopian account of history, they have a lot more to say about this story of uh, the Queen of Sheba with King Solomon. King Solomon, as we're going to read just a little bit later tonight, King Solomon has been known to... Well, have a uh, he's been known for his wives, put it that way. He's been known for many of his wives and concubines. And um, and because of that, uh, it, it makes the story of the Ethiopian church um, more believable because their story is that the Queen of Sheba went to King Solomon and King Solomon, well, had a child by the Queen of Sheba uh, that uh, King Solomon being being the man that he was, um, you know, he was uh, intimate with Queen, the Queen of Sheba, and uh, and she gave birth to a son. The Queen of Sheba, by the way, according to the Ethiopian account, her name is her name is Mekeda, Mekeda, and the son that she bore to King Solomon, as they say, his name was Menelik, otherwise known as Prince Menelik. And so the story goes that when Prince Menelik was of age, uh, he went to um, he went to visit his father, King Solomon. And by that time, King Solomon was already way off the derrick. And so the king asked his son what he wants. Like, hey, you know, um, 
what do you want me to give to you? And Prince Menelik asked for the Ark of the Covenant. And so the story goes that Solomon granted him the Ark of the Covenant and a lot of the vessels of the temple and so on and so forth. And he took it back to Ethiopia where it is, uh, they say it is to this very day, in um, Aksum of Ethiopia, in a little in a little compound called St. Mary of Zion's Chapel. Um, and they say that it's been there for a long time, actually, but it, it, it has not been there all that time. It has been uh, several other places through the, uh, you know, through the uh, thousands of years that have passed. Uh, and they have a lot of different, I think they have some very compelling evidence that the Ark of the Covenant is indeed in Ethiopia. The history that they have, the documentation, they have it all documented, the names uh, they have people that have been keeping the ark for low these up uh, but three thousand years. They call them the Atung, the ark, the keepers of the ark. People that ha- that they believe ha- are legitimate descendants of Levi, the Levites. They have archaeological evidence as well. If you want to, for anybody who is interested in knowing a little bit more about what I'm talking about, I would I would recommend. Going back to one of the old archives of the um, the show, Digging for the Truth. Digging for the Truth with Josh Bernstein. Digging for the Truth with John or Josh, Josh Bernstein. He had a did a whole documentary on that. And so, uh, if if any of you are interested in that, get try to get a hold of of that. Try to get a hold of that video, Digging for the Truth. Ark of the Covenant, Josh Bernstein. Uh, They'll show you um, video footage of not the Ark itself, but of some of the other um, purported pieces of the furnishings of the temple, such as the basin and the part of the frame of the the high priest's breastplate, and so on and so forth. Uh, Graham Hancock as well has got some stuff. I've seen a video where they actually brought out the silver trumpets that they claim that these were the actual silver trumpets that were used back in the times of Solomon uh, kept in Ethiopia. So they have uh, a whole treasure, a whole treasure trove, as it were, locked behind, of course, very, very secure doors uh, of of these um, relics that they claim is from the uh, the Temple of Solomon. So very, very interesting. I believe it's um, it's important to me- at least mention that, that you guys know about that uh, as we're reading uh, about the Queen of Sheba in this story. So very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Let me see what we have in the comments here before I move on. Psalm 94 says, Shalom, everyone. Cat Cool says, Shalom. Uh, Caballero says shalom. Mark says shalom. Shalom, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Kingdom Concepts says there's no way the box of the testimony was touched and in Ethiopia. Well, um, I would say there's no way that they, it was touched by the common man like Uzzah in, in the scriptures. If what the Ethiopian account is true, I notice what I'm saying. I'm just saying if it's true, um, they have, I mean, they account for it. It was, they, they Levites were actually um uh de- what do you call it delegated to be the ones to actually deliver to carry the ark just as it says in the torah and even to this day uh they said that the levites are the ones who are 
the Levitical Atong is the one who is looking after the Ark. Um, and again, it, it, I believe that it, it, there, you know, who knows, who knows a hundred percent for sure, like for certain. I don't think anybody can say for certain it is or it isn't or wherever it is, but they do have a lot of compelling evidence. They really do. Uh, the fact that they they have it all in, documented very very well, along with the the line of all of these people, the Atungs, by like, uh, not only do they have the archaeological evidence of of uh, the Ark being um, was it, I think it was in Lake Tana or at the Lake Tana Island at one point in time, Deborah Damo. I, I might be kind of. I might be uh, massacring those names, but uh, uh, they have like evidence where it's like you see where they they drilled into the into the rocks uh, holes where it is uh, where they put the tent pegs in, and these tent pegs these holes that were drilled are in the exact dimensions of the holy of holies, uh, as as it says in the Torah. Uh, and uh, again, there's a long history of these men who have dedicated their lives to this thing all the way back to Prince Menelik. Again, I don't know. It's pretty compelling because of the fact that there are like there are hundreds, hundreds of men that had literally given their lives, literally given their lives to watch this thing throughout the ages. And, uh, you know, they say that once a man is, 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 um, is worthy, first of all, they have to be, they have to prove that they are of the uh, Levitical heritage. Um, and that he is designated to be uh, an atung, a keeper of the ark. He has to stay with that ark all of his life. He has to he has to stay at the compound, or he has to watch that ark his entire life. He cannot go out in the in the in the uh, general public. He cannot go shopping at McDonald or Walmart and go to McDonald. He can't do any of this stuff. He's got to stay in. He's got to stay put to be a keeper of the ark. And hundreds of men throughout the ages have have uh, have dedicated their lives given their lives for this all the way back to the time of King Solomon according to the Ethiopian account so yeah very interesting anyway um, and for those of you who have not seen that uh, that documentary digging for the truth Josh Bernstein the Ark of the Covenant Highly recommend you do that because they have video footage of some of the articles of the temple on what they claim to be the Ark of the uh, articles of the of the temple, plus uh, speaking to some of the uh, authorities uh, of the matter as well, and so it's very interesting. Great Deception says, "Why would King Solomon give the Ark away, not buying it?" Well, I mean, it's 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 it's. it's in the scriptures that King Solomon completely turned away from the Lord. So, I mean, the ark, if he was as bad as what we're going to read, we're going to read this tonight. If he was as bad as it says in the scriptures, then he would have no use for the ark. He was com completely fell off the derrick. He would have been, you know, serving foreign gods, the gods of his wives. Um, and, and, uh, who knows what could have happened, what, it, how could you go from someone who's like the son of David, and you know, literally, to someone who completely forsook the Lord and started serving other gods, worshiping other gods, as it says that he did? Uh, 
Um, so yeah, I mean, if if he actually was in that um, state where, I mean, he wasn't serving the Lord, he really didn't have any use for that because his wives were basically running the show or his wives were influencing him to turn away from the Lord and uh, forsake that and, and to follow their gods. It's an amazing story. One John says, why wouldn't the people who touched it be killed as they were at other times? Um, okay. It's, it's, as far as I know, there was only one person that was killed from touching it. And that was Uzzah. Now, maybe I might be the actual, uh, uh, all of the there might be something that's slipping my mind if it if it is let me know but as far as i remember as far as i just off the top of my head i can just think about uzza uzza being the one who who died because he touched the ark actually it was more than just touching the ark he was uh, in a great uh, it was very very disrespectful what he did um more or less being so presumptuous and so full of arrogance and pride that he thought that he could save the Ark of the Covenant from from getting damaged or whatever. But I mean, he wasn't a he wasn't a Levite uh, either. So, yeah, I mean, they had lots of people carrying the Ark around. Uh, Levites uh, in during the time of King David, I would assume, um, and uh, um, Solomon as well uh, would have had his crew that would have been. Uh, uh, worthy to do that and if this if this if the account is true then solomon may have could have actually uh told his uh his crew hey take the ark follow my boy follow prince menelik one john says the story i heard was that his son made a duplicate duplicate of it and then stole the ark the queen need it for defense of her nation. Interesting. There is a lot of different, like, there's a lot of different stories surrounding, even, even um, the Ethiopian account itself. There's a lot of different theories and stories that are different from each other. Um, the one that I'm sharing right now is the one that I, I, uh, that I've heard that I think that holds more weight than anything else that I've ever heard. Um, Again, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not claiming exclusive truth here. I'm just saying, as in in my uh, from my point of view, it has much more, um, much more weight. It's much more believable than any other story I've heard about it. Vinny says, "Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Would God have allowed for the ark to be taken? Well, you know what? You think about this for a minute." God chose Ethiopia to be a time capsule for how many different things of his? The Book of Enoch, the Book of Jubilees, the Clementos writings of, you know, what they purport to be from Peter or Clement. Um, all of these things, it seems like God chose Ethiopia to hide it there until the proper time. Right, so God hid the Book of Enoch in in Ethiopia until until its time, hid the Book of um, Jubilees in Ethiopia until its time. Why wouldn't He hide the the Ark too? I mean, I mean, it seems like God, Ethiopia is God's little lockbox. It's like God's little time capsule. 
it just it just seems consistent to me as well. I mean, that's that's another point. I mean, it just seems to be consistent that a lot of other things have been kept in Ethiopia up, you know, for such a time as this. Um, hey, it could be. I'm just saying it could be. Uh, Kingdom concepts. Kingdom concepts says, "What about Second Maccabees and Second Baruch?" Yes, very well familiar with that. Claim that uh, the Most High had mess- uh, had messengers hide it. Jeremiah was mentioned. Yeah, I'm I'm familiar with that. Um, and I, I I cannot say anything more than what I've said. That uh, that that's a possibility. I'm not I'm not dis- I'm not totally discla- you know discrediting that. I'm just saying that it seems like the Ethiopian account has a lot of very compelling evidence. If that's the case, then what, what, what we read in 2 Maccabees and 2 Baruch, uh, especially 2 Maccabees is what I'm um, thinking about, is maybe not accurate. Um, so I'm just saying, um, I'm not saying that it's not, I'm not saying that for sure it's not accurate. I'm not saying for sure it's wrong. I'm just saying that, all things considered, the Ethiopian account seems to be quite compelling. If that's the case, then uh, you know, then that is inaccurate. Now, my again, I mean, we're 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 just speculating, right? Um, I'm speculating. Uh, it makes more sense that God would have actually saw to it that the ark was cared for throughout these low 3000 years instead of just if they if it was tucked away in some cave or something how long would it last look at the dead sea scrolls didn't last i mean they're very fragmentary they're very i mean bugs are eating them up and all kinds of stuff. i know that you know you can say the ark of the covenant was layered with gold but hey um it just it could be. It could be. Don't get me wrong. Okay, I'm. I'm just. I'm just speculating as well as anybody else is speculating at this time. But it, to me, it seems like if God wanted the Ark of the Covenant to be to be preserved until the end times, which I believe He does. I mean, He could have. He could have had it hidden away, as it says in Second Maccabees, and have it preserved. Excuse me. That could happen. But he could also see to it, make sure in a very practical way that there were Levites that were looking after it all low these many thousands of years as the Ethiopians claim that they have been, you know, make sure that to keep it, you know, the keepers of the ark. Yeah, it's very interesting, uh, fearfully confident. I find it interesting that Christians worship the Bible canon yet hold no credibility for the Ethiopian canon. Yet, yet the Ethiopian canon is the most the most ancient of all canons. Great Deception says, I like the Ethiopian canon. Yeah, I do too. I think it's very interesting. So the Kingdom Concepts, this is interesting as well. Kingdom Concepts says the Ethiopian Israelites are actually Levites. They preserve the ancient Hebrew Bible. Fatia says, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you very much 
for your comment. I appreciate it. And thank you for the likes over there as well. Yeah, while we're at it, uh, if you if you enjoy these kind of live streams and this kind of stuff, make sure you leave a like. Yeah, Voice of One. It's a lot of Ethiopia is a very interesting country. Uh, there's there is a there's a legend Mary took Jesus to Ethiopia when they fled to Egypt. There is also something to be said for their churches. Okay, let's continue reading as we read on here. First Kings chapter ten verse. 11. Also, the ships of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought great quantities of almug wood and precious stones from Ophir. Second Chronicles says, also the servants of Hiram, I was wondering what, see, ships over at First Kings and servants In Second Chronicles, the servants of Hiram and the servants of Solomon who brought gold from Ophir brought algum wood and precious stones. Okay. So again, I noticed you, you see, we saw this, how many, you know, for night after night where it says ships of Hiram in Second Chronicles, it either, you know, it says ship or this ship or a ship. But here it's different as well. As so I was wondering, like, does it actually reflect ships? No, it doesn't. Just, you know, uh, the servants. Second Chronicles. Let's do First Kings chapter ten, verse twelve. And the king made steps of the algum wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house. Also, harps and stringed instruments for singers. There never again came uh, such. Almug wood. I, I said that differently earlier, didn't I? Almug wood. Nor has there uh, has the like been seen to this day. Okay, so um, let me see. It's kind of confusing here. In the footnotes, algum in Second Chronicles. So it's spelt differently. The 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 uh, letters are are mixed up. Either the letters are mixed up in First Kings or the, or the letters are mixed up in Second Chronicles. But we go from Elgum to Elmug. So Second Chronicles says, and the kings made walkways. Walkways different than steps. I guess you could say walkways are steps. Um, right there, steps. See in the footnote or supports. So 2 Chronicles 9.11 says, And the king made walkways of the algum wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also harps and stringed instruments for singers, and there were none such as these seen before in the land of Judah. Hmm. Words, it's, it's different wording for sure. And... Uh, First Kings chapter 10, verse 13. Now King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired. Whatever she asked. Besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. Uh, Second Chronicles verse or chapter 9, verse 12. 
Now King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, much more, as much more is not in the original, than, than she had brought to the king. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Okay, so it says here as well in First Kings, so she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Okay, so we got Solomon's great wealth. First Kings chapter 10, verse 14, the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. What a number we have here, isn't it? What a number we have here. 666 talents of gold. Um, Second Chronicles, the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. Just out of curiosity, let's see what it says. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 13 in the Septuagint. Not that I have any reason to believe that it's different, but seeing that we have such a unique number. Um, that's the same. 666 talents of gold. Okay. So 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 15. Besides that from the traveling merchants, from the income of traders, from all the kings of Arabia, and from the governors of the country. 2 Kings chapter 9, besides what the traveling merchants and the traders brought and all the kings of Arabia and governors of the country brought, brought gold and silver to Solomon. Okay, a little bit different, but not too out, not too out of the ordinary. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 16. And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 2 Chronicles, King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. Same. 600 shekels of gold went into each, each shield. 2 Chronicles says 600 shekels of hammered gold went into each shield. Pretty much the same, except for that little... Actually, a little bit of detail there. First Kings chapter 10, verse 17. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. Second Chronicles 9, 16. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. First Kings, three minas of gold went into each shield. This is different uh, in the wording anyway. Second Chronicles chapter 9 says 300 shekels of gold went into each shield now in the footnotes it tells you that there is it says three minas in first kings so um yeah that's that's different now the question would be how much is a mina uh, a shekel of weight here we can do it. Conversion here compared to a mina. Okay, so I got um, this is um, uh, a little snippet from Britannica says 
in the sacred system of weights, the sacred mina was equal to 60 shekels. And 60 sacred minas equals equaled one sacred talent. In the Talmudist system, one Talmudist mina equaled 25 shekels. And 60 Talmudist minas equaled, uh, equaled one Talmudist talent. So, um, let's just say 60, 60 shekels or even 25 shekels for each mina. Um, and we have three minas of gold versus 300 shekels of gold. Uh, we got a problem. We got a problem. Um, because no matter which way you look at it, it doesn't add up to be equal. So it appears like it appears like this is a contradiction here. Three minas. Nowhere do we ever read that three minas or a mina equals one hundred shekels, which it seems to suggest here. But it, nowhere do we see this. Um, right? The take the sacred um, mina was equal to sixty shekels, but it, according to in the Talmudist system. It was only equal to twenty-five shekels, uh, according to this. In order for it, to, in order for this not to be a contradiction, it must be a hundred shekels. But that's that's we don't have evidence that that's the truth. It appears to be a contradiction. Let's just say that. <clears throat> Excuse me. First Kings chapter ten, the last part of verse seventeen. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. And it says the exact same in Second Chronicles chapter nine, verse sixteen. First Kings chapter ten, verse eighteen. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. It says the same in Second Chronicles, verse nineteen of Second Kings chapter ten. The throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the armrests. Second Chronicles, the throne had six steps with a footstool, a footstool of gold. So it doesn't mention the footstool of gold in First Kings, which was fastened to the throne. And there were armrests on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the armrests. Okay, so in Second Chronicles, it doesn't mention the um, the round. Uh, where is it now? The round back. It doesn't mention that in Second Chronicles either. Moving on, First uh, Kings chapter ten, verse twenty. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps nothing like this had been made be, uh, for any other kingdom second chronicles 12 lions stood there one on each side of the six steps nothing like it this had been made for any other kingdom same first kings chapter 10 verse 21 all king solomon's drinking vessels were gold and all the vessels of the house of the forest of lebanon were pure gold Second Chronicles, all the all King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. It says the same thing. 
First Kings, not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. Second Chronicles, same thing. First Kings, 22, for the king had, had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Second Chronicles 9, for the king's ships went to Tarshish with the servants of Hiram. For the first time we see ships here that lines up with ships in First Kings. First Kings, moving on, says once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. Second Chronicles, once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys, says the same. First Kings 10.23, so King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Second Chronicles 9, so King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. First Kings chapter 10, verse 24. Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Second Chronicles 9, 23, and all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. So that's different saying kings of the earth as opposed to just now all the earth. First Kings 10.25, each man brought his present. Articles of silver, gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, mules, at a set rate year by year. Second Chronicles 9.24, each man brought his present. Articles of silver and, and gold, Garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules at a set rate each year or year by year. The same. First Kings 10, 26. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. And he had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen. Second Chronicles, Solomon had... 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots and 12,000 horsemen stationed in the chariot cities with the king at Jerusalem. So that's different. 1,400 chariots versus 4,000 stalls. Okay. First uh, Kings 10 says, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. Verse 27, the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees as abundant as sycamores, which are in the lowland. And it doesn't say that in Second Chronicles at all, does it? Let me read it anyway. It says, uh, this is 2 Chronicles 9, 26. It says, so he reigned over all the kings from the river. The river would be Euphrates. Let's double check this. Yeah, the, the Euphrates right here. Um, to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. 
The king made silver. Okay, so here we go. The king made silver as, as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores which are in the lowland. And they brought horses to Solomon from Egypt and, and from all lands. First Kings 10, also Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Cava. The king's merchants brought them in Cava at the current, or bought them in Cava, excuse me, at the current price. Now, a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse 150, and thus, through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Okay, we're at uh, 1 Kings chapter 11 right now. Right. Solomon's heart turns from the Lord. So in 2 Chronicles, we're already at the death of Solomon. Um, and it's pretty short here. Let me just have a quick look past this. Okay, so Kings has a lot more um, than, than Chronicles does here, from here. But uh, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had had said to the children of Israel, "You shall not intermarry with them." See, so he broke covenant. You know, he broke the Torah right there. Anyway, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will, which they did, turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love, and he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines. And his wives were, his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, Ashtoreth, excuse me, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives, who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away or turned from the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away, away from you and give it to your servant. 
Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father, David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant, David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Now, before I, before I uh, read on here, notice how God, God told Solomon basically that Rehoboam would lose all the other tribes except for Judah, right? So as we read on, we're going to find out how that happened. It was like Rehoboam's hardness of heart is the reason why it happened. But it reminds me so much of all the other times in Scripture when God actually hardened someone's heart to perform his will. Like Pharaoh, of course, Pharaoh is a good example. Judas would be another example. Um, But we see this where God does whatever he wants to do to whomever he wants to do it. He'll turn their heart. He will harden their heart to, to, uh, to perform his will. Adversaries of Solomon. This is 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 14. Now the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon. This, this always happens, right? Whenever you disobey Torah, you're going to get an adversary. Now, we know that adversary in the Hebrew. Now, I have not looked this up, but I'm pretty sure uh, I'm pretty sure there's a few of you that would concur that adversary probably is Hasatan, which means like literally, or I should say, um, transliterated, Satan. So the Lord raised up a Satan or raised up Satan against Solomon, basically. But let me just double check. Um, this is 1 Kings eleven fourteen. 14. Go to the Blue Letter Bible. 1 Kings eleven fourteen, 14. And the Lord stirred up. Yes. See this right here, right? Satan. Satan. Right, so it, it literally says in the Hebrew, Satan, but it's translated as an adversary. So the Lord raised up a, a Satan, a Satan against Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. And I was just saying, I was, I was just actually talking to somebody uh, the other day about this kind of idea that Satan or the devil, if you want to put it that way, um, uses people. If you're too nice to people, you can you you can be a target, right? So Satan came basically in Hadad the Edomite, more or less. He was a descendant of the king in Edom, or Edom. For it happened when David was in Edom and Joab, the commander of the army, had gone up to bury the slain after he had killed every male in Edom because for six months Joab remained there with all Israel until he had cut down every male in Edom that Hadad fled to go to Egypt. Seems like God saved Hadad just to be a thorn in the side of Solomon, so to speak. Doesn't it? Isn't that what it seems? 
Hadad fled to go to Egypt. He and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him. Hadad was still a little child. Then they arose from Midian and came to Paran, and they took men. They took men with them from Paran and came to Egypt, to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who gave him a house, a portion for him, uh, a portion food for him, and gave him land. And Hadad found great favor in the sight of Pharaoh, so that he gave him as wife the sister of his own wife, that is, the sister of Queen Tapanis. Or Tapanis, yes, Tapanis. Then the sister of Tapanis bore him Ganubath, his son, whom Tapanis weaned in Pharaoh's house. And Ganubath was in Pharaoh's household among all the the sons of Pharaoh. So when Hadad heard in Egypt that David rested with his fathers and that Joab, the commander of the army, was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, let me depart that I may go to my own country. Then Pharaoh said to him, but what have you, what have you lacked with me that suddenly you seek to go to your own country? So he answered, nothing, but do let me go anyway. And God raised up another adversary against him, Rezon, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord, Hadadezer, the king of Zobah. So he, so he gathered men to him and, and became captain over a band of raiders when, when David killed those of Zobah. And they went to Damascus and dwelt there and reigned in Damascus. He was an adversary of of Israel all the days of Solomon, besides the trouble that Hadad caused. And he abhorred Israel and reigned over Syria. Jeroboam's rebellion. Then Solomon's servant, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite of Zereda, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, also rebelled against the king. See, all this stuff happens because Solomon uh, disobeyed the Torah. And this is what caused him to rebel against the king. Solomon had built the Milo and repaired the damages, damages to the city of David, his father, the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor, and Solomon, seeing that the young man was industrious, made him the officer over all the, the labor force of the house of Joseph. Now it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet the prophet Ahiah, the Shilonite, uh, met him on the way. And he had clothed himself with a new garment. And the two were alone in the field. And Ahiyah told or took hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into 12 pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, or Jeroboam, take for yourself 10 pieces. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and give 10 tribes to you. 
but he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, because they have forsaken me and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the people of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do what is right in my eyes and to keep my statutes and my judgments, and did as did his father David. However, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, because I have made him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of my servant David, whom I chose because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and give it to you, ten tribes. And to his son I, I give one tribe, that my servant David may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for myself to put my name there. So I will take you, and you shall reign over all your heart's desire, over all your heart de desires. And you shall be king over Israel. Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways, and do what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. And I will, I will afflict the descendants of David because of this, but not forever. Solomon, therefore, sought to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam arose and fled to Egypt to Shishak, king of Egypt and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Here we are, the de death of Solomon, now lining up with where we left off in 2 Chronicles chapter 9. So the death of Solomon, chapter 11, verse 41. Now the rest of all, or excuse me, now the rest of the acts of Solomon, all that he did and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the acts of Solomon? Oh, no. This is a lost book. Um, in Chronicles chapter 9, verse 29, it says, Now the rest of the Acts of Solomon, first and last, are they not written in the book of Nathan the prophet? It's different. In the prophecy of Ahiah, at, uh, the Shilonite, and in the visions of Edo, the seer, concerning Jeroboam or Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Back to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 42. And the period that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was 40 years. Second Chronicles, Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel 40 years. 1 Kings eleven forty-three. Then Solomon rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, his father. And Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. 2 Chronicles 9.31, Then Solomon rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father, and Rehoboam his son reigned in his place. I'm going to 1 Kings chapter 12 and 2 Chronicles chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 12 verse 1, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, 
for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. Second Chronicles chapter 10, verse 1, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. Exactly the same. 1 Kings 12, 2, So it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, heard it. He was, in, he was still in Egypt, uh, for he had fled from the presence of King Solomon and had uh, been dwelling in Egypt. 2 Chronicles 10, 2, So it happened when Jeroboam, or Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, heard it. He was in Egypt, for he had fled from the presence of King Solomon, that Jeroboam returned from Egypt. Slightly different. First uh, Kings chapter twelve verse three, that they sent and that they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, um, "Let's hop on over and compare that with First or Second Chronicles chapter ten verse three. Then they sent for him and called him, and Jeroboam and all Israel came and spoke to Je- to Rehoboam, saying." Verse 4, your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, and we will serve you. First Kings chapter 12, verse 4, your father, make, your, your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and make and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, and we will serve you. So it's the same. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 5. So he said to them, Depart for three days, then come back to me. And the people departed. 2 Chronicles, so he said, Come back to me after three days, and the people departed. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 6. The king Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived and said, How do you advise me to answer these people? Um, pretty much the same in Second Chronicles chapter 10. Uh, the, then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he, was still, while he still lived, saying, how do you advise me to answer these people? First Kings 12, 7, they spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to these people today and serve them, and, and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will they will be your servants forever. Excuse me. Second Chronicles chapter 10, verse, verse 7. And they spoke to him, saying, If if you are kind to this to these people and please them and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. First Kings chapter 12, verse 8. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him. So why would he do that? Again, we read about it earlier. I believe it was God that actually turned his heart, that hardened his heart to do this. But it was actually an act of pride as well. I mean, very proud. He he didn't want to serve the people. He didn't want to, um, he didn't want to humble himself. He rejected the advice of, of uh, that which the elders had given him and consulted the young men 
the young men who had grown up with him, who stood before him. Second Chronicles 10.8, but he rejected the advice which the elders had given him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. Who stood before him. Pretty much the same. First Kings chapter 12, verse 9. And he said to them, What advice do you give? How should we answer? Now it's different. How should we answer? Uh, what did he what did he ask these? <laughs> Notice how he, he asked differently, right? Because up here it's um, he asked the elders, how do you advise me to answer this, these people? But he says down here, how, do, uh, how should we answer this people uh, who have spoken to me, saying, lighten the yoke which your father put on us? So he, he's kind of like edging them on to, to say what he wanted them to say. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 10, verse 9, And he said to them, What advice do you give? How should we answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father put on us? First Kings 12, 10, Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus... You should speak to this people who have spoken to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, put, uh, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, my, fa- uh, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges in the footnotes. Scourges with points or barbs, literally scorpions is what it says. So you see, these young men are obviously saying something that's going to appeal to his pride. So he you know, kind of lorded over these people. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 10. Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you should speak to the people who have spoken to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. Or... Literally scorpions, right? So these these young men are just pumping this guy's ego, right? Just saying you should really just feeding feeding his pride. First Kings chapter twelve verse twelve. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had directed, saying, "Come back to us, or come back to me the third day." Then the king answered the people roughly. In the footnotes, harshly, and rejected the advice which the the elders had given him. Second Chronicles ten twelve. So uh, Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, as the king had directed, saying, "Come, come back to me the third day." First Kings chapter twelve verse fourteen. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father chastened you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges or scorpions. 
2 Chronicles 10, 13. Then the king answered them roughly. King Jeroboam rejected the advice of the elders, and he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to it. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges or scorpions. 1 Kings 12, 15. So the king did not listen to the people, for the turn of events was from the Lord, that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord had spoken by Ahiah, the Shilonite, uh, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. 2 Chronicles 10, 15. So the king did not listen to the people, for the turn of events was from God, that the Lord might fulfill his word, which he had spoken by the hand of Ahiah, the Shilonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. 1 Kings 12, 16. Now when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, saying, What share do we have in David? What share have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now see to your own house, O David. So Israel departed to their, to their tents. Second Chronicles 10, 16. Now when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, then the people answered the king, saying, What share have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to your tents, O Israel. Now see to your own house, O David. So all, all Israel departed to their tents. 1 Kings 12, 17. But Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel who dwelt in the cities of Judah. 2 Chronicles 10, 17. But Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel who dwelt in the cities of Judah. Pretty much the same. 1 Kings 12, 18. Then Rehoboam... Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was in charge of the revenue, but all Israel stoned him with stones, and he died. Therefore, King Rehoboam mounted his chariot in, in haste to flee to Jerusalem. 2 Chronicles 10.18, Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, uh, different spelling, um, who was in charge of revenue, but the children of Israel stoned him with stones, and he died. Therefore, King Rehoboam mounted his chariot in haste to flee to Jerusalem. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 19. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of, the house of David to this day. 2 Chronicles 10, 19. So Israel had, has been in, in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Uh, so moving on to Second Chronicles chapter 11, Rehoboam's reign in, in Judah. First Kings chapter 12, verse 20. Now it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had come back, they sent him, they sent for him and called him to the congregation and made him king over all Israel. Okay, so um, yeah, there was none who followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. And when Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, so this lines up with Second Chronicles chapter eleven. Now, when Rehoboam 
came to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin. Now it says here in 2 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 1, Now when Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled from the house of Judah and Benjamin, 180,000 chosen men who are who were uh, warriors. It says the same here on as in 1 Kings chapter 12, 180,000 chosen men who were warriors to fight against the house of Israel that he might restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. In 2 Chronicles 11, last part of verse 1, to fight against Israel that he might restore the kingdom to Rehoboam. 1 Kings, as we see, 1 Kings says the son of Solomon, as 2 Chronicles didn't. 1 Kings 12, 22. But the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, no, 2 Chronicles says, but the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, same thing. 1 Kings 12, 23. Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, saying, We have a little bit different here in 2 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 3. Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, to, and to all Israel in Judah. It doesn't say to all Israel and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin. Uh, so it's a little bit different there. And to all Israel in Judas and Benjamin saying. Now in 1 Kings it says the house of Judah and Benjamin and the rest of the people saying. So it's more there in 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 12 verse 24. Thus says the Lord, you shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. 2 Chronicles 11.4, thus says the Lord, you shall not go up or fight against your brethren. doesn't say the children of Israel there. Let every man return to his house, for this thing is from me. 1 Kings, let every man return to his house, for this thing is from me. Same thing. Therefore, they obeyed the word of the Lord and turned back according to the word of the Lord. 2 Chronicles 11 says, therefore they obeyed the words of the Lord, a little bit different, words versus word, and turned back from attacking Jeroboam, as opposed to, and turned back according to the word of the Lord. Now, this is different as well. Rehoboam fortifies the cities versus Jeroboam's golden calf. Um, so, yeah, let's read first Kings chapter 12, verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim and dwelt there. So he went out from there and built Penuel and Jeroboam 
said to said in his heart, now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will, will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, the king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Therefore, the king asked advice. Therefore, the king asked advice, made two calves of gold, and said to the people, "Say, why would Jeroboam make calves of gold?" As we know, this is very, very much like Aaron, this the brother of Moses, who also made a calf of gold. I have my own theory on this, but my own theory being is uh, being that. Um, that a calf is one of the four living creatures around the throne that was uh, uh, represented God, more or less. That was one of the, I mean, we have the lion, the, the young bull of the calf, and we have the man, the eagle. And out of, the, out of all of those four, I, I would say that the calf would be the most docile, the most friendliest of all those four. And so they take a heavenly reality they take something that is heavenly, as in like the 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 young bull or the golden or the, like not the golden the calf or the young bull, and they make a an image on earth of it, and uh, and worship it. I think that the calf would be. It would be from a heavenly reality. But it's, it just kind of adorns their life as a as a as a. Um, an ornament of gold. It's almost like how church does today with with uh, with Jesus, right? They take the heavenly reality, the heavenly reality of Yeshua, and they mold it into their own image, and they worship it, just like that. It's uh, the the so called Jesus of church today is like the golden calf of yesterday. Therefore, the king asked advice, made two gold made two calves of gold and said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods. Oh, Israel, like very much like Aaron, right? Here are your gods. Here are your Elohim right here. Which brought you up from the land of Egypt. It's like, come on, Jeroboam, didn't you learn anything from Aaron? Verse 29, and he set up one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the eighth month like the feast that was in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel he installed the priests of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar which he had made at Bethel on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, in the month which he had devised in his own heart, uh, and he ordained a feast for the children of Israel and offered sacrifices on the altar and burned incense. 
1 Kings chapter 13. The message of the man of God. For those of you who are on TikTok and those of you who are on Podbean, I am streaming live simultaneously on YouTube right now. If you're interested in actually watching me, I uh, I am sharing my screen from time to time, and um, and you can follow along with me if you want. If you want to do that, you just go on over to YouTube, look up Christopher Enoch, you'll find me live right now over there. One John says. The tomb of King Solomon, Google says, the king of the tomb of King Solomon is a massive burial chamber located in the Atlas Mountains in northeast Africa or northwest Africa. Uh, it was erected between 970 and 928 BCE. Anyway, I have a lot of lot going on in the chat there. Um, again, if you have anything you want to specifically bring to my attention, especially over there on YouTube, um, just Put at Christopher uh, in in the um, in the comments in the live chat, and that will uh, that will catch my attention. So, someone asking me here over on TikTok about reading some other passages. Uh, please be patient with me. I am on schedule here. I have to read. I'm going to be reading some more uh, scriptures, a couple more. Um, chapters from this and then we'll get to your to all these other kind of off topic little rabbit trails all right let's get back to it this is first kings chapter 13 the message of the man of god verse one and behold a man of god went up went from judah to bethel by the word of the lord and jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be, born in, shall be born to the house of David. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on, on you. And men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, who cried out against the altar in Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him. Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered, so that he could not pull it and pull it um, back to himself. This is awesome. This is awesome. Because like, Lord, protect us like you protected this, this man of God. Protect us like that. You know, we're, we're heading into some days, you know, when uh, we need God's protection. This is 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 5. The altar also was split apart and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. 
Then the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself. And I will give you a a reward. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, that's a lot. In other words, half of everything you have, basically. I I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread, nor drink water in this place, for so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord. Notice this. It was commanded me by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way and did not return to the way, excuse me, did not return by the way he came to Bethel. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works of the man of God that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. Now notice, let me just let me just point this out. It says an old prophet. This was a known prophet. Okay? It doesn't say false prophet. It says an old prophet. Verse 12, and their father said to them, which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went who came from Judah. Then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and he rode on it and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. Then he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. Uh, 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 uh. Right? God told this man of God not to eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor, nor drink water there, nor return by the way you came. Return by going the way you came. He said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. See, a prophet Even a known prophet, not a false prophet, even a known prophet can be wrong. Even a known prophet can be wrong. So the man of God, see, so what happened is this man of God made a vital mistake, grave error. What did he do? He believed another person opposed to what God showed him himself, right? So this is what happens, right? A lot of people today, they believe their pastor. They believe their their favorite evangelist. They believe their, their, their church, their denomination, their doctrine. Their, you know, they believe what they've been told since they were born. A, 
apart from what God has been trying to speak to them, apart from the truth that God has been trying to show them. That's the problem. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And, and he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord. Wow. Because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord. It's almost like it's almost like a lot of a lot of Christians today. They believe that Paul tells them things that's against all the rest of the Tanakh. They believe that their pastor tells them things that's against the Torah. But you got to be careful to go by what God actually said and not by what man tells you. This is what this man of God obeyed. Uh, believed what man told him in spite of what God actually told him directly. Because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread, and drank water in the place which the Lord said, eat no bread and drink no water, your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. Wow. That's heavy. So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled, his, saddled the donkey for him, the prophet whom he had brought back. Uh, when, he, when he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. See, the lion actually did the word... See, when you got people, it's like, did this, did this happen by chance? No, of course not. God uses animals sometimes. Right? When stuff like this happens, you got to ask a question. What, 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 why did it happen? A lion met him on the road and killed him. And his corpse was thrown on the road. And the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. And there men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road and the lion standing by the corpse. Then they went and told it, told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Now when the prophet who had brought him back from the way uh, heard it, he said, Is it the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord? Or excuse me, it is the man of God who was disobedient from the, uh, to the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has delivered him to the lion. Right? So this prophet saw that what happened, what the, what the wild animal did was actually, was directed from, the, from God. Therefore, the Lord has delivered him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. And he spoke to his son, saying, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled it. Then he went and found his corpse thrown on the road, and the donkey and the lion standing by the corpse. The lion had not eaten the corpse, nor torn the donkey. And the prophet took up 
the corpse of the man of God. Well, that's quite the that's quite the uh, job there when you got a lion right there. The prophet took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, and brought it back. So the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. Then he was then he was then he laid the corpse in his own tomb, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. So it was after he buried him. You gotta wonder, before I go on here, you gotta wonder, did this old prophet actually really feel sorry for lying to him? Like or did he lie on purpose, or did he actually think that that was true that what he told them that it was okay for you know it was okay verse 31 so it was after he had buried him that he spoke to his sons saying when i am dead then bury me in the tomb where the man of god is buried so maybe he said this because he felt sorry for what he did he felt responsible Lay my bones be beside his bones, for the saying which he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines on the high places which are in the, the cities of Samaritan will surely come to pass. After this event, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but again he made priests from every class of people for the high places. See, some people are just so hard-hearted, so stubborn in their sin, in their pride. Even when even when a man of God comes and, and even when prophecy is fulfilled right before their very eyes, they still don't turn. Did not turn from his evil way, but again, he made priests from every class of people for the high places. Moreover, or excuse me, whoever wished, he consecrated him. And he became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing was the sin of the house of Jeroboam. Jeroboam uh, so as to exterminate and destroy it from the face of the earth. Pretty serious. 1 Kings chapter 14. Judgment on the house of Jeroboam. At that time, Abijah or Abiyah, the son of Jeroboam became sick. And Jeroboam, or Jeroboam, said to his wife, Please arrive. Or excuse me, please arise. Excuse me. Please arrive and <laughs> please arise and disguise yourself that they may not recognize you as the wife of Jeroboam. And go to Shiloh. Indeed, Ahiah. The prophet is there, who told me that I would be king over this people. Also take with you ten loaves, some cakes, and a jar of honey, and go to him. He will tell you what will become of the child. And Jeroboam's wife did so. He arose and went to Shiloh, and she arose, went to Shiloh, and came to the house of Ahiah, but Ahiah could not see, for his eyes were glazed by reason of his age. Now the, Lord's, the Lord had said to Ahiah, Here is the wife of Jeroboam, uh, coming to ask you something about her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus you shall say to her, For it will be 
when she comes in that she will pretend to be another woman. And it was so when Ahia heard the sound of her footsteps as she came through the door, he said, come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why do you pretend to be another person? For I have been sent to you with bad news. Go, tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you ruler over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, and yet you have not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart to do only what is right in my eyes, but you have done more, more evil than all who were before you. For you have gone and made for yourself other gods and molded images to provoke me to anger and have cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I will bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam every male in Israel, bond and free. I will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as one takes away refuge until it is all gone. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Jeroboam and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field, for the Lord has spoken. Arise, therefore, go to your own house, when your feet enter the city, the child will die, or the child shall die. And all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for he is the only one of Jeroboam who, sh who shall come to the grave, because in him there is found something good toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Moreover, the Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam this is the day. What? Even now. For the Lord will strike Israel as a reed is shaken in the water. He will uproot Israel from this good land which he gave to their fathers and will scatter them beyond the river because they have made their wooden images provoking the Lord to anger. And he will give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam who sinned and who made Israel sin. Then Jeroboam's wife arose and departed and came to Tirzah. When she came to the threshold of the house, the child died. Now notice it says here, when she, when she came to the, to the threshold of the house, whereas up here it says... When your feet enter the city, the child shall die, in verse 12. When your feet enter the city, the, the child shall die. Whereas down here in verse 17, it says, When she came to the threshold of the house, the child died. And they buried him, and all Israel mourned for him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through his servant Ahiah the prophet. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, how he made war and how he reigned. Indeed, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. The, the period of Jeroboam reigned was 22 years. So he rested with his fathers. Then Nadab, the son of, or his son, reigned in his place. 
And Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king. He reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. His mother's name was Nama, the Ammonite, an Ammonitess. Now Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins, which they committed more than all that their fathers had done. For they, for they also built for themselves high places, sacred pillars, and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. And there were also perverted persons in the land. Perverted persons. Hebrew, Kadesh, one practicing sodomy and prostitution in ritual, religious rituals. They did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. It happened in the fifth year that King Rehoboam, excuse me, it happened in the, it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem or Jerusalem. And he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took away everything. He also took away the gold shields which Solomon had made. Then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place and committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. And whenever the king entered the, the house of the Lord, the guards carried them, then brought them back to the, into the guard room. Now the rest of the acts of Rehoboam and all that he did, are they not written in the books, the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. So Rehoboam rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. His, his mother's name was Nama the Ammonitess. Then Abi, um, Abiyam, his son, or Abijam, his son, reigned in his place. Second Chronicles chapter 11, verse 5. So Rehoboam dwelt in Jerusalem and built cities for defense in Judah. And he built Bethlehem, Etam, Tekoa, Beit Zur, Soko, Adullam, Gath, Maresha, Zif, Adurayim, Lachish, Azekah, Zorah, Ailon, and Hebron, which are in Yehuda or Judah, and Benjamin, fortified cities. And he fortified the strongholds and put captains in them, and stored and stores of food, oil, and wine. Also in every city he put shields and spears, and made them very strong, having Judah and Benjamin on his side. And from all their territories, the um, the priests and the Levites who were in all Israel took their stand with him. For the Levites left their common lands and their possessions and came to 
Judah and Jerusalem, for Jeroboam and his sons had rejected them from serving as priests to the Lord. Then he appointed for himself priests for the, for the high places, for the demons, for the calf idols which he had made. And all the, excuse me, and after the Levites left, those from all the tribes of Israel, such as set their heart to seek the Lord God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice to the Lord God of their fathers. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah and made Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, strong for three years because they walked in the way of David and Solomon for three years. Then Rehoboam took for himself a wife, Mahalath, the daughter of Yerimoth, the son of David, and Abihel, the daughter of Aliyah, the son of Yeshe, or Jesse. And she bore him children, Yahush, Shemariah, and Zaham. After her, he took Maaka, the granddaughter of Absalom, and she bore him Abijah, or Abiyah, Atai, Ziza, and Shalom, Shalomith. Now Rehoboam loved Maaka, the daughter, granddaughter of Absalom, more than all his wives and his concubines. For, for he took 18 wives and 60 concubines and begot 28 sons and 60 daughters. And Rehoboam appointed Abiyah, the son of Maaka, as chief to be leader among his brothers, for he intended to make him king. He dealt wisely and dispersed some of his sons throughout all the territories of Judah and Benjamin to every fortified city. He gave them provisions in abundance. He also sought many wives for them. Second Chronicles chapter 12. Now it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel along with him. And it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. And 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horsemen, and people without number who came with him out of Egypt, the Lubim and Sukim, and the Ethiopians. And he took the fortified cities of Judah and came to Jerusalem. Then Shemaiah the prophet came to Rehoboam and the leaders of, Israel, the leaders of Judah, who were gathered together in Jerusalem because of Shishak, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, You have forsaken me, and therefore I also left you in the hand of Shishak. So the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. Now when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them. But I will grant them some deliverance. My wrath shall not be poured out on Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they will be his servants, that they may distinguish my service from, from the service of the kingdoms of the nations. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem, or Jerusalem 
and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took everything. He also carried away the gold shields which, which Solomon had made. Then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place and committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. And whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guard would go and bring them out. Then they would take them back into the guard room. When he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him so as not to destroy him completely. And the things also went well in Judah. Thus, the, thus King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. Now Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. His mother's name was Nama and, er, and Ammonitus. And he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Interesting, it says prepare his heart to seek the Lord. The acts of Rehoboam, the first and last, are, are they not written in the book of Shemaiah the prophet and of Edo the seer concerning genealogies? And there, there were wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. So Rehoboam... Excuse me, what happened there? So Rehoboam. Uh, so be excuse me. So Rehoboam rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Then Abiah his son reigned in his place. Very very interesting. Very interesting. One John, and this was talking about earlier, we were talking about the Ark of the Covenant in Ethiopia. How could they be Levites unless the Israelites moved to Ethiopia? I'm not sure exactly how many Eth uh, uh, Levites there were. I would assume they'd be many thousands. Um, and all they would they would just need a good handful of them to take them down to Ethiopia with them to, to keep the line going. So that could have been the case. Now, the Great Deception says there were Levites in the northern kingdom that was dispersed throughout the earth. I served in Saudi Arabia in 81. Wow, very interesting. LS Mosh 30 says, or LS Mosh, El Shmash 30? I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, says, hi from TikTok. Hello, welcome. Good to see you over here. The Wadester says, so was the Apostle Paul false prophet. He never even claimed to be a prophet. I wouldn't call him a, fa a false prophet. I would not call anybody a false prophet if, if they don't claim to be a prophet. The Wadester says, Well, throughout over half of our New Testaments, I certainly do not, I do not advocate for that. Those of you who know, who know me, those of you who are, who, uh, who knew how many times that people ask me these kind of things, I always say, do not throw out Paul's writings. I always say that. Waster says, I'm not trolling. Enoch and his boy want to debate me. Um, hey, if you're if you're up for it, I think that would be a wonderful thing. Good, A good, uh, respectful debate. Certainly up for it, for sure. If you're up for it, so uh, let's do it. And... Uh, 
Will says, uh, is Wade still here? Maybe he wants to come live sometime. I would uh, I would love it. Welcome, Will, by the way. Good to see you. Um, I think that something, at this point in time, though, it's getting kind of late, uh, but I would be definitely up for uh, if he if he's into it. <laughs> uh, Will says, uh, Wade, want to debate? We'd have to make a night of it. We'd have to make a night of it for sure. And Wade, if you're if you're still there, the way we look at each other, Wade, I mean, as far as as far as the people who are here fellowshipping and here on the live, we look at it as we are brothers and sisters. Okay. That's that's how we look at it. Okay. Since it doesn't seem like we have a whole lot more going on here in the in the comments. For those of you who want to contact me personally, there's my email. Kingdom Concepts says, yeah, I read the whole Bible in a few years. Surprisingly, many have not and are much older than me. And I'm not that young and not that not old. Uh, blessed be the Most High. So, uh, Kingdom Concepts says, what a testimony you have. I listened to your testimony on Jackson Snyder. Yeah. Actually, I have I haven't even uh, listened to that myself, uh, uh, you know, after the fact. But thank you, Vinny says. LOL, I like that. I'm not that young and not old either. Reminds me of what people say. You know, people who have claimed to have uh, died and, and went to heaven. They say that people there are not that young, but they're not that old either. Even Abraham. Uh, just saying. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap it up for tonight. Tomorrow, same time, same place. We're going to pick it up where we left it, where we left off. As always, going through the scriptures as chronologically as we can, possible as we possibly can. And as I as I shared last night as well, I'm going to try to get in all of these other different texts as well. All these things that I think that every Christian believer and Torah observant or whatever you want to, everybody who is interested in the scriptures should know about um, everything that's in the common canon and everything that surrounds that as well. LS Mosh 30 says, I love, I love this. Thanks again. I'm glad to, uh, I'm glad to have found your channel. I'm glad you're here. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. For those of you who are new, like uh, LS Smosh or L Smosh, whatever you, I'm not sure if I'm. I apologize if I'm not uh, pronouncing your screen name properly there. But if you're new here, don't forget to subscribe, or if you're on TikTok, to follow. Make sure you got those notifications on. I usually go live every single evening, 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, Sunday through Friday. That's six days a week. 7 p.m. Eastern and on Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So um, we usually go through the scriptures during the week on Friday. Um, we'll see. I'm not sure if uh, hopefully Will will be able to join us again on Friday. Um, and we'll talk about something very interesting and uh, have some wonderful fellowship as always. And usually on Saturday afternoon, we also have fellowship as well. A little bit more of an open format. 
we'll see what happens this coming Saturday. I'm I'm thinking about inviting a special uh, somebody that I've never had on before. So see if see if it works out. We'll see how it goes. All right, guys. Again, thank you very much. I appreciate every one of you. Uh, you guys are awesome. Thanks for the fellowship. Thanks for the questions and the comments. It's awesome going through this. I mean, I'm learning. I'm learning myself. Right. I mean, uh, we're all learning and uh, and blessing each other. Amen. Okay. I'll see you again tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Amen. Until then, as always, I pray for each one of you listening that the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow night.